Welcome to the Leadership Window Podcast with Dr. Patrick Jinks. Each week through a social sector lens, Patrick interviews leaders and experts and puts us in touch with trends and tips for leading effectively. Patrick is an LSI certified leadership coach, a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, a best-selling author, award-winning photographer, and a professional speaker. And now, here's Dr. Patrick Jinks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 80-80 already of the Leadership Window podcast. It's only been just a little over two years. We're at episode 80, and um, this show just continues to grow. We are currently, if any of you are familiar with Feedspot, Feedspot is the world's largest human-curated database of blogs and podcasts. And they rank podcasts by genre. So nonprofit leadership, for example, which has a ton of podcasts in it. We are current. This show is currently ranked number six on Feedspot. We hit the top 20 list uh, about a year ago at number 13 and have just grown since then. So thanks to all of you for listening and downloading episodes and Mostly thanks to all of our amazing guests who have just made this show so rich and full of content that uh, our listeners can just get tremendous value from and stuff you would you would pay good money uh, to um, to get. And of course, it's a it's a podcast about leadership. It is called the Leadership Window. But if you haven't listened to us much. It is leadership through a social sector lens. So we do have episodes where we just talk about leadership in general, but there is a nuance to leadership in the nonprofit sector or what we call the social sector or the volunteer sector or the third sector or whatever you want to call it. Um, and the the nuances, they're, they're due to unique challenges that nonprofit leaders face. And today's guest is actually uh, a perfect person to talk about with regard to some of these unique challenges that nonprofits face, particularly small to medium size nonprofits. Um, Colleen Campbell Bozard is with us. And I, I only say the middle name because her company is CC Bozard Consulting so that you know what the CC is from. But Colleen is a colleague and a friend and um, just a, a an amazing resource for the nonprofit sector. Colleen is of course, a consultant for nonprofits, but she is also a very widely sought after trainer, partly due to her experience in the crucible of leadership in nonprofit organizations, also partly because she is a board source certified governance trainer. And many of our listeners, if you are in the nonprofit sector, you know um, how valuable that is. We rely on board source for so many things. We rely on it here at the Jinx Perspective for lots of good information and thought leadership. Nonprofits use it for all kinds of resources. Uh, Colleen is a certified board, sir, board source trainer. She's um, she I, I know her from here in the work in South Carolina. She's actually now based out of Savannah, Georgia or around that area. But uh, Colleen works very closely with a number of consultants. She's on our consultant collaborative at Together SC, which is our South Carolina state nonprofit association. And her specialty right now is that she serves organizations in interim roles while they're making leadership transitions. And a good part of our conversation with Colleen is going to be about that particular dynamic, being an interim director as a profession 
And uh, what a great asset for, for for an organization to have uh, to know that Colleen is someone who's going to come in, does probably doesn't want the job, <laughs> just wants to come in and help the organization through a transition, but doing so with tr- a tremendous amount of experience and knowledge behind her in all kinds of nonprofit organizations. And uh, I won't go through the whole list, but Colleen, thank you for carving out time. Been wanting to do this for a while. So glad you're on the program, even if by distance. Uh, Welcome to the show. Hey, Patrick. I am so pleased to be back, to be with you today. And congratulations on what a great rating you've got. It's cool. You know, we don't, I mean, we don't do a a ton of promoting of it. Actually, we do a little bit of Facebook advertising for it, but it just grew really quick. I mean, the nonprofit sector is pretty big, as you know, believe it or not. And um, yeah, just kind of caught on. And I think also the fact that uh, podcasts are available on so many different platforms. So if someone's on Apple or Spotify or Amazon or Panda, wherever it is that they're looking for, I want another podcast on leadership, or I'd like a podcast on the social sector or nonprofits, um, they're finding us. And um, we've had anywhere from, you know, three to 5,000 listens per week. Um, wow. to to an episode so it and it's continuing to grow so uh, it's people like you that make it happen though just providing great content from people who are credible and expert and experienced so thanks for coming on and agreeing to share my pleasure and it shows you how hungry people are to to be learning more about leadership so kudos to you yeah yeah that's right well i'm just i'm, I'm just thrilled to to be able to be in the space i'm going to just kind of open it up and turn it to you for a minute colleen and tell us more um, you know, I, I gave some super, super high level highlights of who you are and what you're doing right now, but, um, tell us a little bit more about CC Bozard consulting, what your, what your purpose and passion kind of what led you to this point, just a little bit sure. more. So people know who we're talking with. Yeah. Thanks. I'd be glad to do that. Patrick. The funny thing is, is when I graduated from college, Oh, a number of years ago, my goal in life was to be the executive director of a nonprofit organization. That's what I thought was most important. I really, really wanted to help drive the social sector forward. And I'm really pleased to tell you that I was successful in achieving that goal. I was an executive director for three different organizations, you know, and they were different in terms of where they were in their developmental phases. You know, one was following a longtime founder. One was growing in a real growth pattern. Um, and and one was beginning. So that um, was just a wonderful part of my career. But then I kind of came to the point of, okay, so what's next? And um, after a good bit of deliberation, trying out a few things, I started my consulting practice back in 1998. And interestingly enough, um, one of my very first jobs was as an interim executive director with an organization who had never had a CEO or an executive director but um, wanted to make sure that they were putting in place the right foundation for their first full-time director. So I stepped in to do that. But as you said in in the introduction, CC Bozart Consulting, we do, I guess, really three-pronged-ish things in in terms of our consulting services. We do a lot of work with boards. You mentioned my connection with BoardSource as one of their certified consultants. And so I do a lot of training and coaching and educating and hand-holding and all those kind of wonderful things um, to help boards build their capacity to lead their nonprofit organizations to really, um, you know, really carry out their, understand their governance roles and their support roles and that type of thing. So that's number one. The second piece is I do a good bit of strategic planning, 
helping organizations really be deliberate about setting the course of action for their organization moving into the future. And then I do this interim leadership thing where I can step in when an organization is either has lost their executive director or who is planning for the departure of their executive director and can help them kind of navigate through this leadership transition. Sometimes I help with the search, but I think the most important piece of what I do really is navigating the transition piece because that's it's a really um, challenging time for nonprofit organizations. And so we want to make sure that we give them all of the support and help that they need to be successful. What a great portfolio of work and to bring the clarity around those three things. I, I've got a, I, I'm sitting here thinking of a lot of new questions in my head that I wasn't even thinking <laughs> of when I invited you on to here, um, because I'm curious in particular about your having been a permanent CEO or executive director of three different nonprofits. And you mentioned that they're in different phases of the work. Um, the interim role is very different. And, you know, like when we, when we, um, and I've, I've been, uh, around and, and help with succession and, um, you know, CEO searches, I've served as an interim CEO for two organizations. I don't, I don't do it as, uh, often or prolifically as you do. But, um, when we think about bringing in a CEO there, it, it really matters what stage the organization is in. If the organization has just completed a strategic plan, for example, you know, there's a yep. particular thing you need out of your next CEO. If the organization is, is, has become stagnant and needs new life, that's a different um, set of characteristics of a CEO. If the organization is really not that bold and they're just kind of in maintain mode and they need someone to just, you know, an administrator role is really what they're looking for because the organization kind of runs itself or, you know, so that's a different skill set. And you having served in three different roles have kind of had to bring, I would guess, three different, slightly, three slightly different mindsets to the game. And yes. Yes, and when absolutely. you're serving as an interim CEO, I, here's my question. <laughs> there is a question <laughs> in our future. Um, how do you reconcile those? You know, and, and do, do you know, do you ever, do you ever uh, have to resist the urge as an, as an interim CEO to fall back on some of your uh, permanent CEO, you know, leading change and being transformational and driving us forward. Do you ever have to resist that? Or is there a, just a completely different mindset that comes into being an interim CEO? I think that some of, I think one of some of the things that I learned as I developed in my professional career, you know, moving from the very three different nonprofits, you know, I certainly learned things. We learned different things from every uh, professional opportunity that we have. Yeah. And I think those things that I learned from know, knowing what it meant to follow a founding um, executive director, knowing what it meant to be part of a startup organization and, and one that was in a significant um, growth period, all of that information really helped me, I believe, um, formulate my approach to doing interim work because interim directors really have to be effective change agents. They really have to be able to come in and assess where the organization is in terms of its development and its capacity and um, and then do an assessment about what, what did, what's going to help them most to move forward and within a framework of, of being the, you know, the person who's temporary at the helm. Um, and so I think that's kind of what I brought to it. 
That is a slightly different take than I think most people take on the interim role. Because you mentioned, uh-huh. you mentioned, I don't think change agent, I don't think when I uh-huh. think of interim CEO, you, you kind of, you did a little casually, but you kind of threw in this one little thing about helping the organization know what's next and how to move forward or something like Absolutely. that. That's strategic thinking for the future. And I think most of us don't consider the interim role to be that, but you're finding that that is actually an ideal spot for it. And, um, tell us, tell us why I, I yeah. I'd like to know more about how you view it. Cause I'm intrigued by that concept. So I kind of want to expand on a little bit, Patrick, if that's okay. I think, you know, sometimes um, organizations and and the boards who are um, helping to drive the organization forward during a leadership transition um, have a tendency to want to rush through the process. Yet you can come in and make sure that the bills are still being paid and, you know, keep communication going with the staff and that they're fulfilling their responsibilities. But let's hurry up and find somebody because, it's a kind of a scary time for the boards, right? That they um, they know that this is going to be a really important decision. And, and so they want to jump right in and they want to, and I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that an organization can take. Um, the role for me it, of an interim director is they're not just, you know, a, a board member or a staff person or a consultant who kind of comes in and sits in the executive seat for a couple of months until the new director is found. I think in order to really take advantage of the incredible opportunities that exist around a leadership transition um, can be found by using an interim director because they can step in, they can, you know, obviously temporarily take hold of the helm of the organization and help the board and staff, you know, address some important systems and capacity issues. But I think what's, um, and one of the things I want hoping that we can talk about a little bit more today is how that interim can be such a powerful tool for making the most of the opportunities during a transition. Because as, if you have a seasoned interim, they can really come in and step in and be as a steward of change. They can manage the risks that offer and often are inherent in a leadership transition that we can talk a little bit more about. They, um, are, they can really work to heighten the creativity of the board and the staff and continue, make sure to continue to engage, you know, the internal stakeholders. So, I, you know, let me tell you, there's a, a couple of things that I really think are important jobs that the interim does as part of this change agent. So the one of the things that an interim will do is they will help the organization kind of come to terms with the history of the organization. They help the board, um, I guess, take an unvarnished look at the organization, the things that are going wrong and the things that are going right, the things that they really can help build the future of the organization on. And so, and, and it is from that perspective that they really start thinking about the next executive director, because, you know, this is really a very unique moment in the, in the lifespan of a nonprofit to really have, be unconstrained in what is possible about where the organization is going. And and as I said, a lot of times boards scurry and hurry and try to first look at the executive director's job description and let's fill that position, right? But, but my recommendation typically is let's let's not do that. Let's kind of step back and take a really good, healthy look at the organization. And let's talk about where do you envision the organization going in the future? Because chances are, while whoever your director was, and they did wonderful things about bringing the organization to a certain point, now is an opportunity to think about what's next. Where are you going to go next? 
And what kind of leader is it going to take to help you get there? It's probably going to be somebody who's very different than, than the departing director. So really looking forward, thinking about what could be aspiring to kind of create and shape the job into something that's going to help propel the organization forward. So I think that's that piece that you're talking about in terms of you know being that change agent. There are well, other jobs that you want the interim to do as well. Um, you know, things like they can come in and make organizational changes or leadership changes because um, they're going to come in and, and as the outside person, they're going to see, oh, well, this might not be working so well, or we've had these underlying problems. What can we do to address those? Um, I think one of the tensions that an interim faces is how to make healthy changes within the organization without disrupting too much because um you know too much disruption you know leaving the departure of the executive director is already pretty disruptive so how can you balance it out with what's going to help build the organization to be stronger versus uh, compared with trying to stay strong um they also uh, can be really helpful in keeping stakeholders engaged with what's going on um although one of the things i want us to talk about is how to um, those stakeholder relationships. And then the last thing I think, and this is really important, is you, and you said this right up front, I don't want the job. I'm not coming in because I want to be the executive director. I'm coming in as the outside perspective, helping you think about the future. And so then one of my very last jobs as the executive director or as the interim is um, to really make help the organization make a commitment to the new leadership and the new direction um, making sure that everybody's on the same page. We share that vision for what could be. Um, we've built a really solid platform for the new person to come in, uh, helping, you know, really to work hard at making sure that they're going to be successful going forward. Well, you just unpacked so many things right there. I know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but here, I want to just pause and make this observation for a minute because you're making you're making a powerful, powerful case for something I think I'll, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, at least in my experience, my guess would be 90% of organizations don't think like this. And that is you are making such a case for an organization in transition to be very strategic and intentional about who they bring in as their interim, that it is not just Hey, we need someone to make sure the checks get signed and the mm -hmm. security, you know, gets armed at night and the, you know, like, uh, someone who can manage the employees and make sure that, you know, all that's sort of taken care of while we do a search that I think that is the prevailing mindset. And yes, I've seen board members step in. I've seen, you know, some community leader, you know, a, a retiree maybe step in just to say, yeah, I'll, I'll say grace over the you know, fiduciary aspects of the organization while you guys search, but yeah, make it quick. Um, I'll give you, you know, X number of days and just anyone who's got some kind of credibility to come in and you have just made a beautiful case for why it, it is really of great value for an organization to think about someone like you, a professional interim CEO, someone who knows exactly what that role can bring, what it should bring, what it should not bring, and uh, is going to help the organization think about, prepare for, and transition to that next leadership role. I just want to pause on that. I, I really do think, I mean, do you share my my estimate yes. on the organizations that take the, the other mindset? 
I, I do, Patrick, and I actually had somebody uh, differentiate this for me just last week for an, in, another interview, and they the, the difference between an interim executive director and an acting executive director, and the acting executive director might be, you know, like a staff person stepping into the role, but they're also still trying to do their job, right? Mm. Or, you know, maybe the board chair, well, I say another board member coming in and, and trying to fill that role. And and for some organizations, that not isn't necessarily a, a bad thing. Right. But for me, you're absolutely right. If if the board is willing to kind of take the opportunity, that this is really an opportunity for them. If they're willing to take that opportunity to really invest a little bit of time to, to thinking about strategically what the leadership is going to look like. In my estimation, I, in, in my experience, is that organizations that use an interim um, really have much more successful outcomes in now, terms of the next leader. Now, let's talk a bit about balancing. Um, uh, what, what's the, the, you know, the energy. I mean, you want to come with energy and help help a board think forward. And, you know, we've used the word change agent, but you want to balance that with another word you used a while ago, which is disruption. Because you're yeah. right. It's already a disruptive time in the organization. It's disruptive for a board. The last thing boards want to go through other than, you know, uh, uh, like a forensic audit <laughs> is a, <laughs> is a CEO change. Yeah. They, they hate it. You know, I've seen board chairs come on and say, I'll, I'll step up to be chair, but you have to promise that you won't leave during my tenure. Cause I don't want to lead a search. Yeah. Well, I've heard, you've heard it too. I've heard it many times. Um, it's the, it's the thing that boards hate the word. They panic They're They don't know what to do unless they've been trained by Colleen Bozard. Uh, or somebody like that. They typically boards don't really know what to do exactly, they don't. and they're 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 a little bit panicked. Um, so, and the staff is certainly panicked. They're uncertain. Oh, who are we going to get next? Um, you know, I talk with staff teams uh, around these transitions, and they just have questions, questions, questions. Is the new person going to match our culture? Is the new person going to micromanage? What's the new person going to be like? Will they understand us? Will they let us lead? Yeah. And so there's all this, this uncertainty. And so how do you balance to a point where you're mitigating the risk of, of doing too much? You know, you come in, you change things three months later, a new CEO is going to come in and probably change it again, yeah. which yeah. is even more disruption. How do you create that balance between helping an organization think forward, move forward and keep momentum while also helping bring a sense of stability that really everybody's kind of wanting and expecting in an interim term. There, um, Patrick, there are actually, um, in, in my work, I have discovered that there are actually three phases of um, the transition. And so understanding those phases really helps kind of balance out the um, uncertainty with the uh, the possibilities, I guess. And one of the things that I, um, when I'm working with the staff and the boards of these organizations is, as I said, you don't want it to be too disruptive, right? But let's think about how we could build the foundation. I, I'm, you know, honestly, I'm doing an interim job right now and, and I pose to the entire staff, what what will it take for us to become the very best or our type of organization going forward. I you know because a lot of times, you know, they they come to me and say, we've got this a problem A, B, C, D, and they they say, fix all the problems. And it, it for me, um, if I bring the staff in together and as a team, we take a look at what's working, what's not working, 
and really setting some short-term goals. This this is not the time to be setting long-term goals, right? This is the time to just be thinking about over the next three to four months, what can we do to make the organization stronger? What are the things that really are causing us grief or that's getting in the way of us being able to do our job? And how can we, on a, in a short-term basis, really address those problems? So really it's keeping that focus limited. Um, and so that, you know, if you're making... I never suggest that the group does a strategic plan while they're in an interim, right? Because strategic planning is really about three, four, five years down the road. And you're not, they're not in a place to do that, but they can set some short-term goals and really focus it in on, on the work that's being done and how can we, and really, honestly, Patrick, it's all about what are we going to do to help build a good foundation? Um, What's it going to take so that when the new director comes on, um, you know, they're going to be successful. And, and as I said, there are there are phases of the transition that you know, as an experienced interim, you learn about those phases and how you learn how to help the staff and the board navigate through those phases, and that helps you be successful. Okay, so you may have sort of kind of talked through it, but very clearly, tell us what are those three phases? <laughs> well, I lo- thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I'd never ask. I'm sitting here going, "Well, tell us the three phases." No, but you know, here's the reality. The change, you said this, Patrick, change, the change is really scary. It's scary for the board. It's scary for the staff. There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, and so uh, when I talk about interim work, I think it's really important to recognize that there is a little bit of a difference between what change is and what transition is. You know, we kind of sometimes use those words interchangeably, mm-hmm. but, but change is actually the, the actual act of making something different. All right. A transition is something that's much more internal. It's a process that each one of us or every staff member and every board member has to go through to make that change effective. And what's really important if you're an interim um, or you're a board member or you're even your staff leadership, that you recognize that there are three very distinct but oftentimes overlapping phases that every staff member has to experience in order for the transition to be successful. Those, those phases, I call those the endings, the neutral zone, and the beginnings. So let me tell you a little bit, of, if it's okay, I want to tell you a little bit about each of those yeah, please phases. Do. So the ending phase, um, if think about this. Before you can start something new, you have to end what used to be. That makes sense, right? Doesn't it? Yep. So the beginnings really, in essence, depend on endings. Unfortunately, people don't like endings. You know, that's... It's hard for them. Letting go of that old reality and, and the old identity is really difficult. If, if uh, For your listeners, think about a big change in your life. It might be the first management job you had. It might be the birth of your first child. It might be, you know, moving to a new house. Every single one of those changes started with an ending. For a new baby, when you had your first child, for those of you who've had a first child, you had to let go of sleep, right? You had to <laughs> let, let go of any extra money because now it's really expensive. You have to let go of time with your your partner or your spouse. So even when there are good changes, that transition has to begin with letting go of something. And those are losses. And we have to identify and be ready for those losses. When we don't recognize that we're going to have loss, that's the largest, single largest problem to an organization in transition. Mm. It's not the changes that people are really resisting. It's the losses and the endings that they experience. So 
when we're in a transition and we the things that we see during an ending is um, people are afraid. They're afraid of losing their jobs. And people mourn losing their coworkers because uh, sometimes what we see is when an executive director leaves, there might be other staff that leave as well. Um, we see people who are just kind of standing around waiting for the next ax to fall, right? And and the gossip mill starts up and people are feeling bad about their job and feeling bad about themselves. And it's really important as the leader during an interim period that you be thinking, recognizing and accept that something has to end before they can begin to ready for the, the new ideas. So what I, a lot of times what I suggest during the ending phases, Patrick, is that that we encourage staff to think about or focus on what led to the change rather than focusing on the change itself to to help each other and and maybe do some self-reflection on identify who is losing what we have to we have to recognize the signs of grieving because people are grieving about losing what was even in changes that are going to be good even when you have a new baby you're grieving the fact that you don't have any more money that you can't spend missing time with your partner right and it takes time. We can't rush. We can't say, okay, you're just like in the grieving phase, right? You can't rush and say, okay, you're done grieving now. Two weeks later, we have to let it happen. We have to allow them to to, to grieve and let go of what was. The and baby is a good example, Colleen, because you know we have a we have a three and a half year, uh, almost four year old grandson, our only grand our yes. only grandchild, and of course, you, we've already experienced this with two now grown kids. But yeah. uh, those transitions never stop. Like, you know, right. we'll, go, we'll go back and, you know, your Facebook feed will pop up a memory from two years ago of, of our grandson, Jude, for example. <clears throat> and we're like, oh my gosh, we lost that. We don't have yeah. that. We don't have yeah. that Jude anymore. We don't have that, you know, Clayton and Jackie, our two kids. We don't have them anymore the way they used to. We have different we have different Clayton and Jackie now. Like we have, and that transition is always happening. That loss is like is. continual. I hadn't really thought of it in that way till you mentioned the loss when you when you have a baby. Um, so that's that's really interesting. I, I want to jump in real quickly with one other thing that's hitting me while I'm thinking about it. While you think about it, do it. You're talking about leadership in an interim role, which I love. This is not a management role. At right. least not exclusively. It is a management role, but not it is more a leadership role than it is a management role. You're talking about people being afraid. You're talking about reflection. You're talking about people skills. You're talking about empathy. You're talking about helping keep a team move forward, not just in the rah-rah, but in the acknowledgement of what's actually happening. And that's just a, I just want to pause there because it's a powerful leadership moment to you, to be using the word leadership as you have through this role because again i think most people see the interim ceo role as a management or administrative um sort of stay sure. and sure. and so i love the way you're framing this so keep keep Good. keep going keep going well and you're right it, and i think um one of the things is that's true for all the all three of these phases as people will go back and forth yeah. So they may have moved into what I call the neutral zone and something pops up, maybe it's in their Facebook page that reminds them, oh, I forgot that I love all about that. I really miss that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we as as leaders, we have to really acknowledge that and recognize it and, and allow it, honestly. Yeah. So the second phase is, I have to tell you, really kind of my favorite phase because I, I tend to think of myself as kind of a change agent and I like change. I like what I get excited about the opportunities that change happens. So yeah. in the neutral zone, it, it we find that staff tend to be kind of 
uh, confused, uncertain, impatient. This is kind of the time period that's kind of the bridge between what was and what will be, right? It's kind of that limbo between, you know, how I perceived what my identity was previously and, and what's now maybe coming up. So I'm, I'm a visual person, Patrick, so I like to think about visual things. So for me, the neutral zone is kind of like when you're on a trapeze and you're swinging back and forth and you have to let go of one trapeze <laughs> with the faith, you know, that that new trapeze is coming. That sounds about right. That right. sounds about right. <laughs> uh -huh. So, you know, what we see during the, the neutral zone is um, sometimes we see staff who get resentful about the changes. Sometimes we see low morale. We see more anxiety. We might see skepticism about, you know, the change initiatives. Um, we have to, the teamwork sometimes breaks apart. We have to really focus on teamwork. Um, people might feel disoriented and self-doubting. Um, they may, energy might be drained, you know, from all the coping tactics. And so really the neutral zone can be a pretty chaotic time. But what I want to say to folks is it also is such a creative time. This is when we can do that thing about what changes are possible. What can you know, what it, you, you, you complain all the time about how this system isn't working. Well, let's look at short term how we could fix that to, you know, bolster things up and make them stronger. We can really capitalize by fostering innovation. We can be creative. We can encourage people to try new things. It can be, you know, this is a real learning opportunity. Let's try something. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. But that's okay. We can try it. I, I it's There's just all kinds of possibilities. And so, a lot of times the way I um, help you know, talk to folks about how to cope with a neutral zone is um, I have to say probably communication is one of the most important uh, tactics steps right here during the neutral zone, because um, you want to, when things are chaotic, you want to keep people informed. You want to keep them feeling like included in the process. They need to feel connected to what's going on. If you don't have communication, then I promise you, you're going to see rumors going crazy people will alternate between apathy and anxiety, right? So we've really got to work hard at keeping folks communicated with. And I and I want to say, Patrick, that's not just with staff. And when we have folks who step in, sometimes they don't recognize how important it is to keep staff informed about what's going on. But it's also really important with board members to keep them, to keep continue to communicate with them about what's going on because they're feeling anxious as well, right? Um, this is the time when we really take advantage of reevaluating what systems are work and what aren't working. Um, we can identify uh, areas where folks might need some additional training or some additional education to help them kind of foster creativity, to help them think about what could be and how that you know, cross training is really important around this problem solving, team building. Um, and then, as I mentioned a little while ago, really setting realistic goals that are short term and if something can wait, let it. One of the things I always say when I'm coming in as the interim is there are some things that are not going to be taken care of, and that's okay. We have to make it okay so we can focus on what the priorities are right now. Um, and so, you know, I, it's a, an exciting time, a scary time. As an interim, you have to really understand how folks are feeling through this chaos. You have to, you know, give them a solid sense of direction. Um, keep them focused on team as a team. We're together on this, that we've got short-term goals we're working towards. Um, we're communicating and meeting all the time and really, really working to boost morale. So, you know, this group that I'm working with now, we, I'm make, making sure that we, we had a lovely Thanksgiving um, pot, 
covered dish luncheon. We're going to do a little Christmas party. We've got to keep everybody, their morale up and, and working, you know, for the organization. Because in, in truth, most staff, you know, they, they want the best. They want to be able to meet the mission of the organization. And if they understand how that looks going forward, you know, that's really helpful. And I, then we have the last phase. So before uh, you before you go to the last phase, yep. I'll, I'll chime in on my what hit me as you were talking through the second phase. The biggest thing that hit me about everything you just said about the neutral zones was the piece on communication. Yeah. I remember, you know, Casey Banks at uh, 1000 Feathers. I think you know her. Um, mm-hmm. She she um, we did some collaboration together back at the beginning of covid. And one of the things that she said is you cannot over communicate. You just can't do too much communicating. And, you know, this is a communications specialist <laughs> saying, you know, yeah. you got to, but, but <laughs> more, but, but more than just the, the, the volume of communication, um, you mentioned, you know, rumors and things like that, that oh, will happen. Yeah. And it reminds us all nature abhors a vacuum and where there is no narrative, somebody's going to make one up. And so communication will be happening during the neutral zone. The question is who's driving it. And so yeah. leadership has to get ahead of that and and influence if not control that narrative at least Absolutely. foster a positive clear consistent aligned narrative so that because somebody's going to create one if there's not already yeah. one do you agree yes yeah. absolutely agree um i i you know when i i'm thinking in you know through my history of doing interims when we oftentimes have the biggest stumbling blocks is usually because of lack of communication and yeah and breaks in communication almost with always both staff and board yeah and then assumptions jump in uh, you know so and so doesn't yeah. like me or so and so is being passive aggressive or so and so is trying to hoard knowledge or so and so and it's probably none of those things nope you know but, it, it's probably just blind spots in in the communication gaps that exist that that we're not getting ahead of so yeah, uh, yeah. I, I love that space okay beginnings all right the last one is e- it's a little easier because this is the brand new beginning again i want to say that there's a little bit difference um you know the beginning of a change might seem obvious here you, you've hired the new executive director or you know you set a date to move into a new house and then you think well when the moving van has pulled away or the, the executive director has started their new job, you have made the change, but that's really not the beginning. You know, when that actual kind of physical change happens, that's kind of the start, right? I call that the start. They're very practical. Beginnings are again, that internal, that these phases are very internal. Um, the beginnings um, really involve new understandings, new values, new attitudes, really new identities, right? It's, it's not when you're moved, it's not until you know, the boxes are unpacked and the mail's being delivered and you stop tripping over the furniture when you get up in the middle of the night to get a glass of water that you can say that you really, this is home, right? So Mm -hmm. that's the beginning. Um, And so, you know, in the beginnings, we see a lot of openness to learning. We see some renewed commitment. Um, It requires a kind of a reaffirmation of the mission and the vision and how everybody contributes to that mission it means that we're, we might be looking at possible new roles that different people will play. We can start setting long-term goals and we really, really need to validate and celebrate the transition process that everybody has gone through. Um, and this is, you know, and, and this is, again, when people think about leadership transitions, they think the new executive director comes and we're done and the transition has happened. <laughs> but what we really have to pay attention to is those, those first few months of the new leader and how we're going to help that start become a really successful beginning, you know, how to um, celebrate the changes, 
be really committed and focused on the mission. I tell boards all the time, and one of the, I think board's biggest um, mistakes that they'll make in a transition, Patrick, is, um, you know, they we talked about this right at the very beginning, right? How boards, it's a horrible, they hate this job, right? And so when they're done with it, they go, shoo, glad that's done. And they step back and they really disengage more than they should be. Mm. And so during this piece of it, we really need the board and the staff to engage with the new leader, to help support them, help them move forward so that the beginning does become successful. And we, and as you said, we have to remember that, you know, if we start a beginning, we might have somebody all of a sudden slide back into the, the very, you know, start or not the start to the, um, the endings, you know, to the first phase yeah, and, the or they slide back into chaos or they, yeah. you know, that it's just, it's a natural part. We know that from, you know, those of us who've studied grievings, um, yeah. the grieving phases, they know that people go back and forth. And the same thing has happened here. And then, so I talked to new executive directors about that as well, to recognize when we have folks who are slipping back into the endings or slipping back into neutral zone and, and how to focus on that. Um, and so once, but once that's happened in those first couple of months are under the belt, then we know we've had a good transition and my job is done and I can step away and be happy. That's awesome. So would you say now, I know that these three phases are not necessarily always linear as you just described, yeah. but yeah. would you say that the interim's role is more helping the organization get through the first two phases then? That's what it makes sense to me that, you know, this beginnings is really sort of once the C once the new CEO has been named and in, and in place, is that, is that generally how it goes that you're more focused on phases one and two as an interim? So here's what I would say about that. When I first started out doing interim work, Patrick, I would have said, yes, absolutely. I agree with that, that I really focused on phase one and two. And then when I kind of stepped back and started, you know, kind of analyzing how successful different transitions were and discovered that I really still have a role in phase three. Um, and if and if you're going to be a successful interim, you know, you don't want the job, right? So you don't have any any you're not bought into any piece of it you really your whole purpose is to make sure that this group is successful and so for me when i was looking at so what were some of the most successful transitions that i've helped and it was um making sure that the you know helping the board understand how they can continue to be really engaged and support the executive director that's that they create a 30 60 and 90 day uh, plan for the executive director. And I help the board with those plans. I help them understand how they can be engaged. I help them create a whole transition plan. And then I provide coaching to the executive director coming in because I have all this experience. I can tell them about what happened during the change. I can help support them um, understanding all three phases and how are we going to trans move on. And, um, and I have found, you know, since we've started doing that, that organizations are being much more successful. And and as I said, the groups that aren't being as successful don't, the boards don't understand the need for the new director to have some support and to have um, mm. some time to acclimate, um, that they disengage too quickly. They, they just say, okay, welcome, you know, Colleen, or not me, obviously, welcome Jill Smith to the new job. Good luck. Have a good time. And, and they have no support. So I think that interims can provide that, a lot of help in that third phase as well. Um, and helping ensure that success. Yeah, if they have that coaching competency, which you have. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that, you know, I, I, there's, I don't think there's a greater tool for a new CEO than an executive coach. So the fact that yeah. you're, what I love about that is that for you, it's continuity, it's a partnership, it's not a one-off. I mean, you're, you know, it yeah. really is sort of overlapping these 
phases of things. Um, I want you to hang tight just a second, Colleen. Yep. I'm going to take a okay. quick pause for our sponsor, uh, Leadership Systems Incorporated. Uh, for those of you that may not know, I have served since I think 2007 <laughs> as a uh, certified adjunct leadership coach with Leadership Systems Incorporated. I do, actually do. It's the one space where I step out of the nonprofit sector and, and coach corporate leaders as well. But if you are interested in learning how to coach, you want to develop a formal coaching competency, not just as a professional coach, but as an internal manager or leader wanting to learn how to coach your people better, uh, the place that I, the number one place I would turn to to recommend is LSI. And here's Michael Wallace to tell us a little bit more about that. Hey, this is Michael Wallace with Leadership Systems Incorporated, and on behalf of LSI, I want to say thanks for supporting our friend Patrick Jinks and the Leadership Window Podcast. We've been partnering with Patrick for many years, and we are so proud to have him represent us as an LSI certified executive coach. As a mutual friend, we'd like to offer you exclusive rates on some of the same training that Patrick has received over the years, as well as some new experiences that we've been developing. Head over to leadershipsystems.com slash jinx to see the upcoming training events on our calendar and register today to keep learning and growing. Again, that's leadershipsystems.com slash jinx, J-I-N-K-S, for exclusive pricing on LSI's virtual and in-person training events. Thanks a lot. Okay, Colleen, before we wrap this up, I want to talk about succession planning. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, for some people, that's like talking about tax accounting. But um, <laughs> let's talk about because it comes up everywhere. Uh, I I don't think I'm really coaching a, an executive client whose board is not saying, "Hey, we want a succession plan from you." Yeah, I'll give you a little bit of my take, um, sort of setting this up. But I, I, you specialize in this area as well. It's not just you know once once a succession or a transition is happening, it's planning for it. And so, um, one of the things that, that I like to say about succession planning, I get this a lot. Hey, Patrick, do you do succession planning? <laughs> well, the answer is yes and no. <laughs> I do succession planning as a bigger component, which is continuity planning. So for me, what I want to try to do is get organizations to think about continuity as an organization. One element of which is any impending or future transition of the CEO role. But if you think about if succession planning is about let's plan in advance so that when our CEO leaves for whatever reason, all we have to do is flip the switch and our succession okay. plan goes into motion and boom, it's going to be easy peasy. All right. And I'm all for planning. I do it for a living. It's wonderful. Okay. Most nonprofits succession plan is, when our CEO leaves, we'll figure it out because uh -huh. we don't have an internal person to groom. We're not just going to go recruiting three years, 10 years in advance. So I mean, essentially it's when it happens, it happens. So what I try to help organizations do is think about continuity um, because all of your key positions are important for succession and continuity. We, you talk, we talk about knowledge sharing and cross functionality and yeah. competence. We talk about board succession. Um, I do, I do, uh, we do organizational self-assessments and almost always in the bottom three of 25 elements that boards assess board succession ranks in the bottom three. 
Because we don't Isn't think that true? It, I know. Yeah, we don't think about we don't think <laughs> about that kind of succession either. But continuity is also about, you know, what does our funding source look like? If one grant were to fall through, would we fall through? You know, that's continuity. If if our data got breached, would we be out of business? Like, would it? You know, what what would it do to us if our building got blown away in a hurricane? Um, it, 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 whatever, whatever number of things you can think of that could disrupt the continuity of the organization. It always amazes me that boards only want to think about that one disruption, the CEO, but there's a bunch of potential disruptions. So, so having said that, having said that and given you my perspective that you didn't ask for, um, that, that, what does succession planning look like for a small nonprofit? We can talk about what it looks like in a larger one too, but in a small nonprofit, yeah. you got three, four, five staff people, you know, a small board, maybe a small community, and the board's always going, we need a succession plan. Yep. What, what are they wanting and what can they real, realistically get? First of all, I always love your perspective, Patrick. So always <laughs> share with me. Okay. <laughs> so, hey, thank you. Um, You know what? So I think you're right. People, um, I think succession planning really is just thinking in, in advance, like you said, it's planning about how to make sure you've got a strong leadership transition whenever it happens, right? And so um, I think for me, there are actually three different kinds of succession planning. There's the emergency succession planning. Mm. There's what you're talking about, kind of that internal leadership development, that internal continuity, right, for the organization. And then there's the departure defined trans succession, which is the executive director has given their notice. Now, what are the steps that we're going to do in order to do this uh, leadership transition? I think that doing the emergency transition plan is probably the best way to get started on thinking about succession. Because just like you said, boards don't want to think about it. They don't want to think about the executive director ever leaving. They want you to say you're staying forever. Um, and we know that's not always going to be the case, right? It's never so, going to be the case. Never. So you're no right. one's there forever. Ever. No, as much as we sometimes think they will. So we know that, you know, obviously the transition is going to be very unsettling to the organization, even when it's like uh, when it's planned, it's difficult. But when it's not planned, it can be such um, such disruptive through the organization. It can really impact the agency negatively. So they I think the first thing you can do with the board is say we need to have a plan, a contingency plan, right? For making sure that we've got continuity and stability in the event of an emergency. Um, we used to call this the bus book, right? Patrick? Yeah. I now call it the lottery book. That's right. Like what if Colleen won the lottery tomorrow and she mm -hmm. decided never to come back to work again? Um, it's really kind of taking a good big picture look at a number of things to make sure that in an unexpected transition, that you need, you've got some things in place to make sure that you can con you're that continuity that you can continue to be successful. So, you know, it's it's doing things like looking at your board composition. Do you have somebody on your board um, who you know has some expertise that can advise around doing a search, or do you have somebody who knows a lot about HR expertise um, who can help with a hiring process? Um, you you are going to have to be thinking about. The, it, looking at the length of time of the uh, unexpected emergency transition. So sometimes the executive director has to be out for two months, in which case maybe having an acting executive director isn't such a bad thing if it's just going to be a couple of months hmm. versus if it's going to be long term um, and you have to think about an interim. So sometimes, you know, boards kind of make a list. I have a good friend in South Carolina who years ago told me she has a little file 
locked up, a file box locked up. And if anything happens to her, it's got a whole list of things. One of them, which was higher calling to be the interim. So, you know, it's coming up with a list of people who could serve in that role um, if possibility, because, you know, the, your first choice might not be available. Making sure you got a good job, an up-to-date job description. How many times do we let our execs go years and years without updating their job description? Making sure it's realistic. Making sure you've got a list of contact people. You know, who is our attorney? Who does our insurance? Who's our bank contact? Um, you know, what information systems are in place? Um you know, all this, and then kind of have a, an inventory, a, a document inventory about where can you find, you know, the the Artistwood Corporation, where can you find the IRS letter, where can you find the banking information. Um, I think it's really important to have uh, up-to-date procedures about, you know, how do you do payroll? I, I can't tell you the number of times, Patrick, that I stepped in as an interim, and there, it's not written down anywhere. The, the, everything's in the director's head, Right. And so I step in and say, how do we do payroll? I don't know. Well, we better figure it out pretty fast. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, you know, it's it's what do we need to put into place? What systems need to be there in case of that emergency? Um, so that's that. And, I, you know, it's a great place to get started talking about succession, about the possibilities. Mm -hmm. And then we get to what you're talking about, that continuity, that internal strategic leadership development, which is harder for small nonprofits because they don't have you know, as many people, right, to kind of fall back on should they need to. Um, I, for the more medium-sized nonprofits, a lot of times I tell them, and, and I bet you do this as well, is to kind of be thinking about, you know, what is your vision for the organization about where is it that you want to be going? What are your goals in order to get to that vision? And then what staff positions are you going to need to get there? I didn't say staff people, Right. I said staff positions, right? Because, you know, you remember our good friend Jim Collins way back said, people are your most important assets. That's not right. It's not. P he said, the people are your most important asset is wrong. People are not your most important asset. The right people are. You got to make sure you have the right people on the bus. So you got to know what, what the bus seats are, right? What are the jobs that you want people to be doing? And then then looking at your current staff, who can fill that? That's all that um, leadership. Um, I know that you've talked about plenty and, and, and numerous times about that continuity. I, and But also that internal strategic leadership development is, again, looking at your stakeholders, who are your funders, who are your contact people. Um, but during a succession, during a transition, how are you going to transfer those relationships um, to different people? Sometimes it's helpful for the executive director not to be the only person who has is the contact person for some of your major donors mm -hmm. so that if they happen to leave, who's going to keep that relationship going? You know, one of the things I've often said about that is you want the donor relationship to be with the organization. Yes. And you want it to transcend an individual. I, I did an interview one time for a job and they had a bunch of major donors in this organization. And I was interviewing for the CEO position and the board asked, you know, how are you going to, you know, tell us, tell us what you know about, you know, um, stewarding and nurturing major donors. Cause we got a lot of them by major, we mean $10,000 or more a right. year. All right. And, uh, at least in this organization and they had a bunch of them and particularly for a community that size and, um, what, what, what they had that they hadn't really maybe thought through is that the person I was succeeding was a 30 year <laughs> iconic, uh, um, CEO whose spouse was an iconic leader in the community. They were from that community. They knew everybody. They had positions of influence they had. And so my, I, the, my answer to their question was, well, let me ask you something first. How many of those 
you know, 70 people are giving to the organization and how many of them are giving to the CEO. Mm -hmm. And there was this big moment of silence in the room because they were like, Oh my gosh, we had not thought about that because I don't bring that. I can't bring that into this community. I can't, you're going to lose some of those donors period. You're just going to, some of them you're just going to lose because it's an, it's an out for them. Right. Okay. Don't have to, don't have to write that check anymore because my onus was to the individual and not the, the person. So I I just wanted to jump in there that there, that's right. That, that is true of all the stakeholder groups. If the CEO is the only one that really has the, the key to all these relationships, the board members, the policy makers, the, the staff, the, the staff leaders, the donors, the, the grant, the granting organizations, um, the, then the organization's in trouble when that, because there's no amount of 90 day handoff you can make of a relationship that doesn't exist. You know, it's like, it's, you you can kind of introduce people, but if that is held that closely, there's going to be a tough transition for somebody. It really is. And, and, you know, when I'm serving as interim, I think one of the first things I do is jump in and reconnect with make sure that the you know that the primary funders the donors the grant you know if you have federal grants that they know who to talk to mm. and, and that type of thing is really important what another great um, role to put on the job description yeah and i don't think <laughs> right. a lot of people think of because you know talk about fear i mean the donors they're they're concerned too yes they are you absolutely know? say what's going to happen here so yeah. the other pieces of it patrick really are you know what is, what is the organization's plan to build a six month financial reserve? Because I promise you that if you're going through a leadership transition, you're going to find a dip in revenue. It just always happens. And so do you have a reserve to fall back on in that case? And we talked some about, about, you know, the systems that you're using What's the financial management system, what's the personnel, HR, payroll. And, and we all, I also talked about already making sure that you got operational manuals for general administrative stuff or financial procedures for fundraising, for performance management, information technology, all those things that that keep your organization going. And then the last phase, honestly, is the departure defined transition where we know that the executive director is leaving. And there are three phases to that. It's getting ready and recruiting and then post hire. So, and we've talked about those a good bit already. So mm-hmm. three really very distinct types of succession planning. Emergency will help you get to the leadership. Leadership will help you get to the departure defined. And, and I think it's really important for boards and leadership staff to really pay attention to that, even when they're not even remotely thinking about leaving. That's a good guide. That's a really good guide. You and I are both presenting at the Together SC Summit in March of next year. And um, we're going to be sort of tag teaming on this whole idea of succession and that sort of transition stuff. But it starts with, if you are an organization that has a staff, uh, you maybe you're one of those medium or larger organizations and you've got a cadre of senior leaders, um, any number of which may truly be good potential to serve as the next CEO. The time to start thinking about that is not when it's you know, departure announced, what did you call it? Um, departure defined, departure yeah. defined. It's way before that. Yes. And so, um, I'm going to be talking about, uh, I'm going to actually be working with, with one of our clients, uh, that, you know, at uh, one of the local habitats here in Greenville, we're going to be talking about what they've been doing intentionally with their, not only their senior leaders, but they've actually gone next level to mid-level management, uh, with me, they're engaging with me on this. And, and so we're going to be talking about 
what that looks like to be intentional well in advance, developing your potential next CEOs. And what we try to get these senior leaders to do is think like a CEO. We actually do a CEO assessment on them. Um, not, not a VP assessment, but Uh we, we, you know, we want them to start thinking about these things now. And then that leads into now we're at least better set up. Now we, at the very least, we have options as an organization. Um, and at the, or, or we have, we have potential acting, uh, director, you know, in the event that maybe that person isn't the, the next CEO. You're also pr- pr- providing an incredible, valuable resource to your community because your people are being trained up to be leaders who might leave your organization that's but, right. and move to the next one. That's, so that's right. an incredible investment in, in the community. It's so, an investment in the community. It's an investment in the individual that says, I believe in you. I'm investing yeah. in you. I want you to grow. I'm not afraid of you leaving. If you leave, you leave. You know, yeah. we, like just like you said, we've, we've, we've built an asset for the community. Yeah, really um, important. So, wow. yeah. Anything, yep. anything more you want to say on that? You're going to be talking about. You are going to be talking about succession planning. I think at the summit. And, I am. Um, yep. I and am. so these I, these three different types of succession and these these sorts of things and um, the different transition pieces and yeah, how to oh, that's how great. to navigate through the executive transition. I think is uh, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna be talking about that a lot. Well, and, if you're a nonprofit leader, whether you're in South Carolina or not, go to togethersc.org and look at the summit. And there's, there's a, t- I'm going to tell you, we got one of, if not the best state nonprofit association in the country. It's true. very, very strong. Our summits are killer. I mean, they're really, really good. And so, um, yeah, a quick, quick plug there togethersc.org If you want to learn more about that, come, or, you know, come to one or more of our, of our sessions that we're talking about, but anything else you want to say on that line? I think we're good. No, I think that's it. I'm, I think it's going to be a, um, dynamic and interactive session that you and I are going to do. The whole, the whole summit conference is, is very interactive, which I think is one of the things that makes it uh, better than most. Yep. And it's creative. There's a day on just, you know, board, board development and leadership. There's a day on advocacy and, and there's a day on just all of these concurrent sessions on competencies and things, uh, hearing from the field. I'm, I'm super excited about it. Uh, I keep saying I need to get Madeline on the show. And, yeah. Then uh, talk about the summit, but um, Colleen, we could go on and on and on, and maybe maybe what we do, if you're willing, is we come back another time and talk a little bit more about the board governance work that you do, and yeah, what are, what I'd are love the to do that. what are the yeah. things that you're seeing, the big challenges and opportunities in how boards function. I'm doing more and more in that space, not so much on governance, but on engagement, board engagement. Yeah, well, and, it's um, a lot part of with governance, and I think we're seeing some real changes and 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 trends. Um, over the last couple of years, you know, post COVID and, um, and we need to connect for another episode on that. I do want to put in one little plug, Patrick, if I can, there is a, since we are um, looking, focusing, there is, there are a number of really good uh, educational programs, but there's a really great certification program being held in North Carolina and South Carolina. um, And it's called the lift network. And if people can just Google that it's, um, Oh gosh, don't you hate it when you just totally blank out? Um, we'll you talk said, a little bit more and I'll end up. I'll give you that contact information. But they, it's a, it's a very eight session certification done online uh, remotely. People, you know, do it through Zoom, and it really covers the pieces that folks need to know if they want to become an interim executive director, and um, and then um, they offer 
they can help you once you start doing your first couple of engagements in terms of coaching you and helping you create your agreements with the, the client and, and doing an assessment with the organization. Cause I do an organizational assessment every time I start an interim job. And um, so they help a lot with that too. So anybody out there that's interested, that's in North Carolina and South Carolina um, out before we end up, Patrick, I'll give you that information. Okay. Yeah. And did you say the lift network is that what you're calling lift network is okay. what it's called. Right, yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. Thanks. Any, anything else you want to promote anything you got going nope. or, okay. That's it. Yeah, I just well. I just think it's a great um, uh, resource for folks who want to become because the, the truth of the matter is when I, I started doing interim work in 1998 and there was nothing then in fact <laughs> interim leadership really wasn't a thing and um, it's it's part it's a profession that has grown and evolved over the past 20 plus years and when I first started out to be perfectly frank it would have been lovely to have had you know, a peer network of folks just to talk to about it and to bounce ideas off of and, and that type of thing. And um, we're seeing that more now across the, um, across, you know, the country, but, and this group has just really started um, work building and, and it's really, it, it's, in fact, it's done through an organization called Lev Ridge um, Resources and it's L-E-V-R-I-D-G-E. And people can find it by going online to leverage.org and you look for the lift connection uh, um, you know, button on the website and it, you know, check it out. They're starting a brand new certification program, I think next week, but they, they have them at least twice a year. And so there you go. Great. Sure. Thank you for sharing that. It's a great resource. Yeah. Um, let's wrap this up. There's a couple yeah. of questions I ask all my guests, Colleen, and um, because I love the stories and I just love the insights and we end on an inspirational note, although all of this has been inspirational. Um, thank you again for just being so generous. Again, this is a, you, our listeners just got a, a webinar worth a lot of good money. And so uh, <laughs> thank you for being so generous. Um, tell us about, I love to hear about, you know, successful people like you, who, who is a leader or two in your life or career that you would say just pops to your mind as someone who represented a turning point in your leadership or someone who's just been really influential in how you've gotten to this point of view in leadership and what you're doing. Um, who would that be? Well, I thought of a couple, um, so the first person that popped into my mind, Patrick, was a gentleman early, early, early in my career. Um, his name is Richie Tidwell in South Carolina. And he really taught me the value of facil facilitative leadership, um, where um, really learning to open your ears and stop talking and really listen to what folks have to say and being very strategic in um, moving forward. He he actually taught me how to be a consultant, which is um, has just really been the foundation to a lot of what I do. But how he did that in his leadership role, he he long time ago he worked for um, Governor Riley, and um, anyway, he he was great, and he really taught me a lot of my beginning work about, as I said, being open and really being a facilitator. And I think that's as a leader for me, that is a lot of what I do mm -hmm. is facilitate conversations, facilitate change. And, um, and then the other person that jumped in mind was I was the executive director of a battered women's program in Kansas city, Missouri at one point and the board chair, and this is a sad thing. I can't remember her last name. I've tried and tried, tried all morning. Uh, Denise, she taught me about, um, about not, 
uh, falling back on what has always been, right? But in terms of thinking about what could be and changing up the structure that things don't have, just because they were always done in this hierarchical manner, they could be done differently and and to think about things differently. And um, and that, I think, really opened up my eyes to, I'll, you know, again, you know, I told you at the beginning how I, I get excited about change and, and partly because of that, because I, I can open up and think about what could be and in, in the possibilities. So as a as leadership, you know, in terms of leadership, I think that has really driven me throughout my career since then. Um, my son, you just made me think of uh, my my son shared a quote with me I had never seen before. Uh, Her- Heraclitus of Ephesus he was an ancient Greek, uh-huh. pre-Socratic philosopher, and <clears throat> one of the quotes he gave was. Uh, a man never steps in the same river twice for it is not the same river and he is not the same man. Oh, I love that. And you know, this, wow. this is what you're, this is what you're, you're meant to, you know, don't rely on what was think about what can be because what was is gone. It's gone. Isn't, yeah. that, isn't that powerful? It it just, is. I, yeah. I, I love that quote. He shared with me, me about a week ago and I can't get it out of my head. It's so, it's so cool. Oh, thank you sounds, for sharing that. It sounds like that's, that's what that, that's exactly what that, that leader gave you. Last question. You got 20 seconds with a megaphone to the world. All the leaders of the world can hear you and they <laughs> want to know the Colleen Bozard number one tenet of leadership. What's that? What's that thing that above all else, all leaders in your view need to keep in mind? I, Patrick, I think that all leaders need to always be open, be open to what can be, be open to the possibilities, be open to growth and um, change and be open to the people you are surround you and what they have to offer. I think just always be open. Don't close off to mm. what is, but think about what could be so be open that is my piece of advice i love it always be open um last week ron harvey was on the show he's a good friend and colleague and he's a regular on the show and he was talking about always uh being being open to learning no matter how no matter what age we get no matter what point in our career and the other question he asks is what always think what's next what's next for me and not just not just sitting on on where we are and that requires openness you were talking about it at the very beginning when you and I started before we started the chat is what's the new year got in front of yeah, me? What, what yeah. are we, what's going to happen? And, and let's be open to that and think about the possibilities of what the new year is going to bring. I love it. Colleen, this was too. great. I, this I was super rich. I, I knew it was going to be, you did not disappoint. And um, we will, we, we definitely need to schedule a, a follow-up episode time sometime and so talk about some board leadership, board governance, engagement, all that awesome. stuff that nonprofits are always concerned always with. need that, don't they? Yeah. Always thank need you, it. Patrick. Yeah, thank you. All right, folks, have a great rest of your day and lead on.